0: Chapter 12 of Miss Billy Married. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Chenever. Miss Billy Married by Eleanor H. Porter. Chapter 12. For Billy, some advice. February brought busy days. The public opening of the Bohemian Ten Club exhibition was to take place the sixth of March with a private view for invited guests the night before and it was at this exhibition that bertram planned to show his portrait of marguerite winthrop he also if possible wished to enter two or three other canvases upon which he was spending all the time he could get bertram felt that he was doing very good work now the portrait of marguerite winthrop was coming on finely. The spoiled idol of society had at last found a pose and a costume that suited her, and she was graciously pleased to give the artist almost as many sittings as he wanted. The elusive something in her face, which had previously been so baffling, was now already caught and held bewitchingly on his canvas. He was confident that the portrait would be a success he was also much interested in another piece of work which he intended to show called the rose the model for this was a beautiful young girl he had found selling flowers with her father in a street booth at the north end on the whole bertram was very happy these days he could not to be sure spend quite so much time with billy as he wished but she understood of course as he did that his work must come first he knew that she tried to show him that she understood it at the same time he could not help thinking occasionally that billy did sometimes mind his necessary absorption in his painting to himself bertram owned that billy was in some ways a puzzle to him her conduct was still erratic at times one day he would seem to be everything to her the next almost nothing judging by the ease with which she relinquished his society and substituted that of someone else arkwright or calderwell for instance and that was another thing bertram was ashamed to hint even to himself that he was jealous of either of those men surely after what had happened after billy's emphatic assertion that she had never loved anyone but himself it would seem not only absurd but disloyal that he should doubt for an instant Billy's entire devotion to him, and yet there were times when he wished he could come home and not always find Alice Gregory, Calderwell, Arkwright, or all three of them strumming the piano in the drawing-room. At such times always, though, if he did feel impatient, he immediately demanded of himself are you then the kind of husband that begrudges your wife young companions of her own age and tastes to help her while away the hours that you cannot possibly spend with her yourself? This question and the answers that his better self always gave to it were usually sufficient to send him into some florist's for a bunch of violets for Billy or into a candy shop on a like atoning errand. As to Billy, Billy too was busy these days, chief of her concerns being, perhaps, attention to that honeymoon of hers to see that it did not wane. At least the most of her thoughts and many of her actions centered about that object. Billy had the book now, The Talk to Young Wives. For a time she had worked with only the newspaper criticism to guide her, but coming at last to the conclusion that if a little was good, more must be better, she had shyly gone into a bookstore one day and, with a pink blush, had asked for the book. Since bringing it home, she had studied assiduously, though never if Bertram was near, keeping it well hidden when not in use, in a remote corner of her desk. There was a good deal in the book that Billy did not like, and there were some statements that worried her, but yet there was much that she tried earnestly to follow she was still striving to be the oak and she was still eagerly endeavoring to brush up against those necessary outside interests she was so thankful in this connection for alice gregory and for arkwright and hugh calderwell it was such a help that she had them they were not only very pleasant and entertaining outside interests but one or another of them was almost always conveniently within reach then, too, it pleased her to think that she was furthering the pretty love story between Alice and Mr. Arkwright. And she was furthering it. She was sure of that. Already she could see how dependent the man was on Alice, how he looked to her for approbation and appealed to her on all occasions, exactly as if there was not a move that he wanted to make without her presence near him. Billy was very sure now of Arkwright. She only wished she were as much so of Alice, but Alice troubled her, not but that Alice was kindness itself to the man, either. It was only a peculiar something, almost like fear or constraint, that Billy thought she saw in Alice's eyes sometimes, when Arkwright made a particularly intimate appeal. There was Calderwell, too. He also worried Billy she feared he was going to complicate matters still more by falling in love with alice himself and this certainly billy did not want at all as this phase of the matter presented itself indeed billy determined to appropriate calderwell a little more exclusively to herself when the four were together thus leaving alice for arkwright after all it was rather entertaining this playing at cupid's assistant if she could not have bertram all the time it was fortunate that these outside interests were so pleasurable most of the mornings billy spent in the kitchen despite the remonstrances of both pete and eliza almost every meal now was graced with a palatable cake pudding or muffin that billy would proudly claim as her handiwork pete still served the table and made strenuous efforts to keep up all his old duties but he was obviously growing weaker and already serious blunders were beginning to be noticeable bertram even hinted once or twice that perhaps it would be just as well to insist on his going but to this billy could not give her consent even when one night his poor old trembling hands spilled half the contents of a soup plate over a new and costly evening gown of billy's own she still refused to have him dismissed why bertram i wouldn't do it she declared hotly and you wouldn't either he's been here more than fifty years it would break his heart he's really too ill to work and i wish he would go of his own accord of course but i shan't ever tell him to go not if he spills soup on every dress i've got i'll buy more and more if it's necessary bless his dear old heart he thinks he's really serving us and he is too Oh yes, you're right, he is, sighed Bertram with meaning emphasis as he abandoned the argument. In addition to her talk to young wives, Billy found herself encountering advice and comment on the marriage question from still other quarters, from her acquaintances mostly the feminine ones, right and left. Continually she was hearing such words as these, Oh, well, what can you expect, Billy? You're an old married woman now never mind you'll find he's just like the rest of the husbands you just wait and see better begin with a high hand billy don't let him fool you mercy if i had a husband whose business it was to look at women's beautiful eyes peachy cheeks and luxurious tresses i should go crazy it's hard enough to keep a man's eyes on yourself when his daily interests are supposed to be just lumps of coal and chunks of ice without flinging him into the very jaws of temptation like asking him to paint a pretty girl's picture in response to all this of course billy could just laugh and blush and toss back some gay reply with a careless unconcern but in her heart she did not like it sometimes she told herself that if there were not any advice or comment from anybody either book or woman if there were not anybody but just bertram and herself Life would be just one long honeymoon forever and forever. Once or twice Billy was tempted to go to Marie with this honeymoon question, but Marie was very busy these days and very preoccupied. The new house that Cyril was building on Corrie Hill, not far from the annex, was almost finished, and Marie was immersed in the subject of house furnishings and interior decoration— she was, too, still more deeply engrossed in the fashioning of tiny garments, of the softest linen, lace, and woolen, and there was on her face such a look of beatific wonder and joy that Billy did not like to so much as hint that there was in the world such a book as When the Honeymoon Wanes, A Talk to Young Wives. Billy tried valiantly these days not to mind that Bertram's work was so absorbing she tried not to mind that his business dealt not with lumps of coal and chunks of ice but with beautiful women like marguerite winthrop who asked him to luncheon and lovely girls like his model for the rose who came freely to his studio and spent hours in the beloved presence being studied for what bertram declared was absolutely the most wonderful poise of head and shoulders that he had ever seen billy tried also these days to so conduct herself that not by any chance could calderwell suspect that sometimes she was jealous of bertram's art not for worlds would she have had calderwell begin to get the notion into his head that his old-time prophecy concerning bertram's caring only for the turn of a girl's head or the tilt of her chin to paint was being fulfilled Hence particularly gay and cheerful was billy when calderwell was near nor could it be said that billy was really unhappy at any time it was only that on occasion the very depth of her happiness in bertram's love frightened her lest it bring disaster to herself or bertram billy still went frequently to the annex there were yet two unfilled rooms in the house billy was hesitating which two of six new friends of hers to choose as occupants and it was one day early in march after she had been talking the matter over with aunt hannah that aunt hannah said dear me billy if you had your way i believe you'd open another whole house do you know that's just what i'm thinking of retorted billy gravely then she laughed at aunt hannah's shocked gesture of protest oh well i don't expect to she added i haven't lived very long but i've lived long enough to know that you can't always do what you want to just as if there were anything you wanted to do that you don't do my dear reproved aunt hannah mildly yes i know billy drew in her breath with a little catch i have so much that is lovely and that's why i need this house you know for the overflow she nodded brightly then with a characteristic change of subject she added "'My, but you should have tasted of the popovers I made for breakfast this morning.' "'I should like to,' smiled Aunt Hannah. "'William says you're getting to be quite a cook.' "'Well, maybe,' conceded Billy doubtfully. "'Oh, I can do some things all right. "'But just wait till Pete and Eliza go away again, "'and Bertram brings home a friend for dinner. "'That'll tell the tale. "'I think now I could have something besides potato mush and burned corn, "'but maybe I wouldn't when the time came.' if only i could buy everything i needed to cook with i'd be all right but i can't i find can't buy what you need what do you mean billy laughed ruefully well every other question i ask eliza she says why i don't know you have to use your judgment just as if i had any judgment about how much salt to use or what dish to make dear me aunt hannah the man that will grow judgment and it as you would a mess of peas has got his fortune made what an absurd child you are billy laughed aunt hannah i used to tell marie by the way how is marie have you seen her lately oh yes i saw her yesterday twinkled billy she had a book of wallpaper samples spread over the back of a chair two bunches of samples of different colored damasks on the table before her a young mother's guide propped open in another chair and a pair of baby socks in her lap with a roll each of pink and white and blue ribbon she spent most of the time after i had helped her choose the ribbon in asking me if i thought she ought to let the baby cry and bother cyril or stop its crying and hurt the baby because her mother's guide says a certain amount of crying is needed to develop a baby's lungs aunt hannah laughed but she frowned too the idea i guess cyril can stand proper crying and laughing too from his own child she said then crisply oh but marie is afraid he can't smiled billy and that's the trouble she says that's the only thing that worries her cyril nonsense ejaculated aunt hannah oh but it isn't nonsense to marie retorted billy you should see the preparations she's made and the precautions she's taken actually when i saw those baby socks in her lap i didn't know but she was going to put rubber heels on them they've built the new house with deadening felt in all the walls and marie's planned the nursery and cyril's den at opposite ends of the house and she says she shall keep the baby there all the time the nursery i mean not then she says she's going to teach it to be a quiet baby and hate noise she says she thinks she can do it too huh, sniffed aunt hannah scornfully you should have seen marie's disgust the other day went on billy a bit mischievously her cousin jane sent on a rattle she'd made herself all soft worsted with bells inside it was a dear but marie was horror-stricken my baby have a rattle she cried why what would cyril say as if he could stand a rattle in the house and if she didn't give that rattle to the janitor's wife that very day while i was there huh, sniffed aunt hannah again as billy rose to go well i'm thinking marie has still some things to learn in this world and cyril too for that matter i wouldn't wonder laughed billy GIVING AUNT HANNAH A GOOD-BYE KISS End of chapter 12